Shay McClure bringing you the meta-casual perspective on Heroclix, sharing my insights, thoughts, and experiences with other players who love this awesome game at all levels just like I do. Whether you are playing a casual home game, local tournament, or at a regional or national event taking on the latest meta team, this is the podcast for you. All comments, suggestions, or questions can be directed to our email at lostinclicks at gmail.com. Also, private message me on AC Realms under the ID of Colossus TN. Or you can go to my Facebook page of Heroclix Borderlands, where you can message me or just read the latest articles and videos I have run across about this wonderful game. In continuing with the tradition of naming my episodes after a movie, this episode is named after one of the greatest movies of the 80s. If I, I would even say one of the greatest sports movies of all times. That The one I'm talking about is The Karate Kid. Everybody remembers their first experience watching The Karate Kid. I remember being in high school at the time that Karate Kid came out, wearing the bandana, being a Danny supporter, Daniel Russo, our underdog hero, hero of this epic adventure where he's taking on Johnny and the Cobra Kai dojo with Mr. Miyagi and the introduction of Elizabeth Shue into our lives too. So this movie, it has a tremendous spot in my childhood and growing up my teenage years. Now, why did I choose this movie at this time? Well, while I was on vacation, I just returned from vacation at the beginning of this week. I was down in Charleston, and while I was down there, we went to a church, and they had a sermon about Okinawa and Japanese tradition and Japanese philosophy. And it started made me think of just what's coming up. My journey I'm getting ready to go on, which is the adventure to origins. I felt so inspired. Our weekly movie night for family... I chose Karate Kid to show, and it was amazing to watch that movie. Stuff I'd forgotten about, what went on. So, in dedication of all that, and that inspiration from all that, I have built this episode around that theme of the Karate Kid. Moving on to the weekend review. And this is actually more than a weekend review. I've been not doing a podcast for over two weeks. We're looking at two to three weeks of what have I been doing, how have I done, and what I've been playing. So, this amount of time since my last episode, what have I done? Well, I have gone from just beginning to be on the online competitive scene to playing, let me pull out my notes here, three online competitive games. Three. And that was with Eric, and Eric was gracious enough to kind of answer my call when I was on Facebook, the online um, HeroClix meetup page. And we have been testing teams for Origins. He's going to Origins. I'm going to Origins. He has some teams he wants to try out. So do I. So we've ended up playing three online competitive games. And what I can tell you is that I lost everyone epically. Epically lost. It was a train wreck. Every team I threw out there just would not work. Now... Some of y'all would think, well, that's just a waste of time, Shay. Why'd you do all that? That doesn't seem like a good time. Well, number one, what's been great about it is I've met somebody that's going to Origins. I've been able to throw ideas out against him. I've been able to test those ideas against his teams. I get to see how his teams operate. I get to see how certain figures that I never knew how they worked work against the team I run. So with that kind of knowledge, I've just become a more experienced, better player. Now, I don't have any wins to show for it. I don't show any dominance, but I've always told my kids in basketball, a lot of times you learn more from defeat than you do in victory. Sometimes victory gives you a false sense of security, whereas defeat shows your weaknesses and how you need to shore them up. I've also been able to... Uh, at my local venue, I was able to do a practice match against a team I think I will see at Origins. Uh, David, who's a great guy that's at my local venue, and I'll talk about my local venue here in a second, he ran a team that I think is probably going to be one of the more prevalent teams out there. He ran a mystical theme team with a plus four to map roll. He ran two Green Lantern Super Rares from Joker's Wild, a Felix Faust, and a Jakeem thunder now on top of that he put two id cards two id cards i see that would be the most common used would be adam and nick fury adam has a call-in for anybody on the team and nick fury has a call-in just for jakeem especially against an alpha strike just trying to to retaliate the match went horrible once again 
a team that I had an idea of went up and I made what I thought was the correct decisions. What turned out is that I learned a lot about how to attack a team. I've always known that it's, it's not always about how hard you hit it's about where you hit are you a precision strike person are you hitting where you need to hit it's easy against a one-man army there's only one target but in a multiple target army what's the ones that you can take out that cripple the team and maybe i went after straight at jakeem that was my theory that was what i thought would be the best way to handle it I left that match feeling very disappointed. I thought I had a team that could kind of run with Jakeem and really ended up just playing horribly. But from that, I grew. I actually came back, thought it out. I came up with what I thought was a better strategy. I threw it out there to David, thought, see what he thought about it. We went back and forth with it. And it has been revolving around my head on how to maximize my team's potential against the Jakeem Thunder. Also decided to take Eric. We played another online match, but then I took that team I thought was going to show up at Worlds and let him run against me, his teams, so that he could get the same experience I did to learn how does his team react against a Jakeem Thunder team like that? How would he handle it? What does he need to put on his team to help him through that? Now, it doesn't sound like I'm doing the proper preparation because I'm just focusing on one team. What I'm hoping through all this preparation is, number one, I'll learn how to drive my team better. I mean, we're going to play against other teams, but in the end, the goal of all these online games I'm doing competitive is to, number one, hook me up with a like-minded player. Number two, to learn how my team operates. What are my maximum uh, sequence of events? Sequencing is huge in this game. What goes first? What comes second? What do you have to do at the beginning of the turn? That's all me just getting used to it. And second, taking what I consider one of the major dominant teams and being able to just get into my mind how to handle them. I've always thought that you have to run a team to understand how it operates and understand its weaknesses. If you've never run a Jakeem, you can only guess how you can run a Jakeem. You have to pull them out. You have to run them. You have to try to win with them so you can understand what the other person's thought process is. So that's what I've been doing with my competitive stuff and as i said i've done four online games competitive one in which i was the jakeem team and the other three with eric i didn't know if i'd like online but it has been pretty fun the ability just to get out and play hero clicks for maybe an hour hour and a half from your home whenever you have some spare time has been awesome it's great to kind of interact with other people and to add to that I have also done two other online games with my buddy Mark up in Louisville. And that's been awesome to be able to reconnect with him. He's starting to get back into Heroclix, and I take full blame for that. I have reeled him into my drug, plastic, crack, addicted state where you look yourself in the mirror and have to go, it has come to this, where we buy this stuff up by the bricks, where we can't wait to play it. And I've been able to play two online games with him. It's just fueled both of our fires. I forgot how much I love playing with Mark. It also sparks these great conversations where we talk about Heroclix. It just adds another layer to our friendship. So that's been awesome. And those two games have been pretty cool in the fact that we've just kept it since he's just got back into it. And he doesn't have all the figures. And he had he bought a case of Avengers Defenders War. We have only been making stuff up from our case of Avengers Defenders War. And so that's been fun in making me go out and play different characters as a set. That's another great thing with the online. Sometimes you have to wait for weeks to get to a tournament or certain tournaments, you know, you can't play these figures. Getting online and go, hey, let's just play Avengers Defenders War. And then you can kind of sort through and play these pieces that you've been wanting to try out. And it just kind of helps you to uh, just learn the pieces a little bit better. And I was going to share with you one cool match we did. We've done two great ones. The first one I won, and that was with a Black Knight. And I love his power where he just charges and has the ability everybody goes through to do an attack, and it does three exploit weakness damage. He became my MVP of that game in that he did all kinds of damage across several different figures before he died. But this shows you how you need to play with figures out set in order to know how to deal with them i had the gray hulk and 
Mark, in understanding how hulks are usually designed, avoided targeting that hulk, not realizing that if you target him five times in a row, that he will, you know, KO automatically. Doesn't matter what kind of damage he's got. Well, he had put it off until he only had two figures. Hulk charged up, killed one, and then it was a one-on-one battle between Luke Cage and the Hulk. And Luke Cage was going to have to go through, I believe, like six, seven rounds, eight rounds maybe, to to just kill the Hulk just by adding tokens to him because he could only go two rounds in a row and then Hulk would be able to take one of the tokens down. It was going to be a long process and you just can't out-hit the Hulk, especially with Luke being close combat piece. He was going to have to go mix up. So I kind of won that game. And in our last game, Mark got his revenge and I was running an Iron Man and Claw team trying this pick a power. I was just trying to figure out how pick a power works and how that's how powerful that is. And Mark got killed my team off, had a purple man and Nighthawk left, got down, got him all based up. <laughs> Iron Man was down his last click. Purple Man had been hit a couple of times. Nighthawk was down on his next to last click. And it just came down to Nighthawk doing what he had to do and just killing off Iron Man. I was waiting for, there's a pheromone token already on Iron Man. So I was waiting for Mark to mind control Iron Man, run him up, punch Purple Man, so that Purple Man could take that damage from Iron Man and throw it right back on Iron Man to kill him. I thought that'd be a cool way to end it. But it just kind of ended, but those were great games, and we're going to play another Avengers Defenders War game and just have a good time with it. And you know what? That's kind of a casual experience me and him both love. Finally, I was able also to play in a 400-point tournament at my local venue. I went there, and we had seven people show up now that's pretty good for my local venue because we had a lot of people out that normally show up and we're starting to approach our numbers around 12 people that normally go that and we're trying to grow them and so it's been exciting getting this group of guys and we're starting to have more common tournaments maybe two to three a month whereas before maybe one a month or we might skip a month Uh, rick's our judge and I have a great group of guys. That's where David is. We had a new guy, Matt. He's trying to get in the competitive scene. He has a lot of pieces. He's still learning the game. He did great. And had Anton there that's been there for a long time. And Jared. And I'm trying to remember Kevin and Brian. Brian don't get to see him as much. He's a newer player, too. And it's about the camaraderie. I'd forgotten how much, how much that means to have that support of a casual group. That kind of keeps you balanced. And so that was a lot of fun. We had a, a great time. As I said, what I got from it was the ability to get a practice section in, because that's where uh, David helped me. And Matt had an actual Jakeem, so that was neat to see one. He also was looking for a Johnny Thunder. When I got there, I was going to run a soldier team with Johnny Thunder since it was around Memorial Day. But he needed Johnny Thunder. I was not really loving my team, so I actually let him borrow my Johnny Thunder so he could run his JSA team. And then I ran a scientist team with, yes, Iron Man and Claw on it. And I put 100-point Spider-Man and Henry just for fun just try to run it and i gotta tell you in my first match did pretty well came down to two figures left claw and a doctor strange and just lost on points next match was not good at all i went up against kevin's kind of funky kind of build he had a bunch of kingpins he had the electra hydra electra i believe well i forget which electra but he also had the wolverine that was a Hydra Wolverine, and he had the chair daredevil. And he just sat back there taking tokens off producing hand ninjas. I think at one point you might have had it seven, maybe seven, six or seven hand ninjas out there. And with Wolverine's special power of allowing them to knock down your defense in close combat, it turned into a Donnie Brook brawl. Now, to make things worse, I only made one hit. Iron Man hit Wolverine hard one time. And then after that, I just kept missing. I had Spider-Man, the hypersonic Spider-Man from Superior Foes of Spider-Man, and he was sitting there basing Electra. I choose his hypersonic power. I'm going to run away, snatch an object, come back to do six damage. And I'm all perplexed at my attack. And what do I do? I roll a one for breakaway. Not once, not twice, but three times. Three times that Spider-Man can't break away. 
And that's just the way my rolls went. When I needed a five, I rolled a four. When I needed a four, I rolled a three. I could not hit. So my only other hit I got in, after my team's just going down, out of desperation, Henry rolled to hit a hand ninja that was standing right next to him. And Henry rolled a crit hit. You heard me, rolled a crit hit. It was, we went wild. Henry did one damage. It was just great to play that type of game. Those are the games you remember. You don't remember all those other games. You remember that game that you just couldn't roll. I remember I took that one dice I kept rolling for breakaway. And I even said, I'm going to call this my Justin Bieber dice. You know, after his song, I'm the one. Yeah, I'm the one. Because that's all it was rolling was ones. That's been my week. Uh, just meeting new cool people, Matt, being on vacation, trying to get back into everything. That's my week in review. I hope y'all had just as good a week or weeks. I hope everything's going well with it. I also want to take just a moment just to throw out a thank you. Thank you to everybody that's been asking about how my surgery went. I appreciate everybody's inquisitiveness, wishing me well. That was awesome. John, Nick, uh, Michael down in Puerto Rico, uh, Malcolm. Thank you all. I love that. I love everybody at my venue that asked me if I was feeling better. I will give you an update. I am feeling great. I do have a couple issues. I'm still recovering. Today is the first day in which I can lift more than 15 pounds, which my wife loves because she had to lug all of our luggage during vacation, and that was not pleasant for her. She actually almost came in the couch after lugging everything, sweating, laid down, and said, I am worn out. So I'm able to do that now. I ran the last three, two days, and I've biked. Uh, I am still sore at times. The bigger issue is that sometimes I eat stuff and it goes right through me. It's a problem with gallbladder. It's still adjusting about how it's kind of uh, handling certain foods. And I'm still dealing with a little uh, reflux problem, but it, kind of through medicine and all that. But I do feel great. They said I had a chronic gallbladder problem. I've probably been feeling bad all my life with my gallbladder, at least a long time. Thank everybody for, you know, wishing me well. I'd also like to thank uh, Dark Logos. Listen to your podcast just yesterday. Love that he did a shout out to Heroclix Borderlands. I want to say a shout out. I did. He mentioned the podcast. I appreciate it. I do listen to you and I respect your opinion and the stuff that you do for the competitive environment. Love what you're doing out there, Dark Logos. Uh, if you don't know what it is, starting over podcasts on YouTube. But really appreciate you know you listening in, trying to listen through and just watch me through these baby steps of these first few episodes, first 25 episodes, trying to get this down, trying to get it going. So I do appreciate that, sh that uh, mention on yours. Let's move on. You know, we just had moving to Reseda, moving into that competitive mode. There's going to be some big bullies out there like Johnny, and I'm going to have to learn how to deal with them. And you know what? I've gotten bloodied. I've gotten my sand kicked in my face. I've gotten beaten up. And so it's about time for me to figure out what I'm going to do with it. Before I get into the topic, I am going to do the big reveal. I have, through all my beatings, figured out my style to take to the All-Valley Tournament. And I mean Origins. And when I say style, you have to decide what style you're going to play there. What team are you most comfortable with? What are you going to go with? And I'm just going to reveal it. I don't feel like I'm going to be a player that's going to hold it in secret so nobody knows what's coming, so they don't understand it. I'm going to take what I feel comfortable with. I think I can pilot it pretty good. I am doing a variation overdrive. I have been running that against Eric's, changing the variation over and over again to the point that I now think I have it where I want it. And in my mind, what I think is a maximum overdrive build. Now, I'm not going to say it is a maximum overdrive build because I think there's so many options with overdrive in the Sinister Syndicate. I don't know if you can get a maximum build that is going to be agreeable with everybody, but hey, this is the way I think I can play it best if I play it right, if I sequence it right. What am I doing with Overdrive? Well, number one, I'm taking Overdrive and I'm pairing with Doc Ock. Added was the Chase Captain America from Avengers Defenders. That's right, the Chase Captain America that can move after being carried and adds plus three to your vehicle's movement. So now I've gotten it, I've gotten Overdrive, the charged up vehicle, I've gotten up to 14 movement with sidestep. Ooh, so that gives it 16 range on its movement. And then I've added another piece that can take a power action after being dropped off, not just Doc Ock. Doc Ock can, and then 
She can. And she brings me perplex. And she brings me a charger with super strength and 18 defense with combat reflexes. Boom. The only thing else she needs is plasticity and she would be the bomb. Oh, then I found the Magneto from the Uncanny X-Men. The one that gets the one time a game running shot free action with flight. That's going to be the piece I want on there. So now I have the ability to have three attackers after I move the vehicle. Just for the first shot, but sometimes that's all you need. Problem with this team is their attack values. I need their attack values up. What's the easiest piece to do that with? Wizkid. That's right. Plus one attack, plus one range, plus one damage. His plus one damage doesn't help Doc, but his plus one to attack does. And then his ability to give the plus one damage to Magneto and to Captain America increases their potential. And finally, I'm still looking there, and I've got that team together, and I'm still sitting on 15 points. I looked at ID cards, and I did settle on one. One ID card. That was it. Three of my characters can call in this ID card. That's why I chose it. The ID card I chose was shield level seven. You're going, well, nobody can call in Nick Fury, Peggy Carter. Maybe, but then Magneto wouldn't be able to call her in. So I went with Nick Fury Jr. from the Fast Forces. Why? Because he's 50 points. He brings a shield team ability. He's got an 11 attack. He's got 17 defense with combat reflex. He has charge. He has uh, blaze claws, fangs. And he has the ability, if he hits you, to counter a power or a team ability. I think that's big. So I'm looking at him as a piece I might have to call in. And he does a lot of things. Still had points left over. You will find me... When I get to Origins on Wednesday, in the back, buying me the Giant Man box set and taking that particle, that pocket tank, and putting it on this team. Could I have made it better? Yeah, I could have made a Sinister Syndicate team. Maybe that would have been better. But this is when I'm running. If I'm going to call it something, you know, this is my Cobra Kai team. Does that exist in this dojo? Does it? No, Sensei! Fear does not exist! In this dojo, does it? No, Sensei! Pain does not exist in this dojo, does it? No, Sensei! Defeat does not exist in this dojo, does it? No, Sensei! Prepare! Eight! What do we study here? The way of the best, sir! And what is that way? Strike first, strike hard! No mercy, sir! I can't hear you! I know I'm stealing Alpha Strike's um, motto, but strike first, strike hard, no mercy. It's the Cobra Kai. It's the way of the fist. And could I get run over? Oh, most definitely. I mean, other than that, I expect to see this team there. I expect to see people there with it. Or maybe I'm so wrong about this team that it, people have just dismissed it already. I, I don't know. But that's where I'm going with, okay? And that kind of ends this, this week in review. I'm going to move on to the main topic. My main topic is focus, Daniel son. focus. Closer we get into Origins, I'm, I'm having to learn to bring a sharper focus to Heroclix. I have, I have taken some advice from different people. Other podcasts I've listened to, I love the advice that Dark Logos will give out there that you, you take figures from sets and you put it in a toolbox. You put it into your, your set of cool figures from a set that you want to run in a competitive team. And that's what I've started doing. I've actually started going through my collection, putting them into a tackle box, the pieces I think that can help out a meta team, and just putting them in there so that I have some adjustability when I'm at Origins and I'll have my main teams in there. I've started going through that process as part of my focusing up to Origins. Here's the thing that really inspired the Karate Kid is that when we went to our church service while we're on vacation and my wife was you know kind of tired and worn out and it's been just this i'm a teacher i was tired and worn out i know i've had this surgery and i had a little time off at the end it's just been kind of one of those things where you go there and then you hear the hear a sermon 
and they mention stuff, and it kind of brings back in perspective what you should be doing. The sermon was about these blue zones and what a blue zone is. And let me read you what is defined as blue zone. It's, I believe it's based off of a book that one of my friends has read, uh, Mark's Wife. And it's, it's about research. Blue zone, the lifestyle and the environment of the world's longest-lived people. Okay, it was a National Geographic's mag magazine concepts secrets of a long life there's five geographic areas where people live statistically longer sardina italy nicoya costa rica akiria greece and i'm butchering these seventh day adventist in loma linda california and okinawa japan and okinawa japan was the kind of inspiration for this sermon and as you all know car karate kid aficionados Mr. Miyagi is from Okinawa. They go to Okinawa in Karate Kid 2, which I consider one of the best. No, okay, I'm going to say it is the best Karate Kid movie. Anyway, and so from that, they did some studies, and they tried to understand what made all these cultures kind of come together and be able to live really long. Uh, they came up with a lot of different things, but really focusing on the Okinawa, Japan, it is... Number one, they are put in family groups that they live with and interact with almost their entire life. And this helps promote their life. And also, there's all groups have a life purpose. Now, this is best stated in the Japanese philosophical term of ikiga. That's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. It means... And the way the preacher defined it is ikigai is why do you get out of bed in the morning? What is your passion? Now, if you kind of look at that, what is your passion? Is a reason for being is what it's called. Applying it to my life is a different answer than if I apply it to Heroclix. If I apply it to my life, the reason why I live is not going to be the same answer. But if I take ikigai down to Heroclix, what is the reason for being? Why do I play the game? What gets me up in the morning to play Hero Clicks? And in answering that, it makes me a better player. Because once you understand your icky guy, once you understand it, you can make your decisions better. Okay? I love that kind of philosophy. I can quote from the Karate Kid when he's up on that boat. Well, when he's, when he's learning how to balance and all that. And he goes, when do I learn how to punch? And Miyagi says, better learn balance. Balance is key. Balance good. Karate good. Everything good. Balance bad, better pack up, go home. Understand? Without balance, if we're not balanced, if when you sit down to play a match and you're not balanced, then things will go wrong. Things will go bad. Die rolls, you don't handle die rolls as well. Balance is needed, especially in high-pressure games. That's where how it's coming from. That's why I've started telling myself, I need to have the balance. I need to understand my icky guy. I need to understand my balance because without balance... Events that occur in a, in a Heroclix game that I can't control will, will tumble out of proportion. And I believe sometimes that's when I've had my worst experiences on Heroclix. That's why sometimes casuals are so fun because, because that pressure's not there. And in order to find that joy, in, in order to understand how to handle that balance, you need to understand your icky guy. What is your reason for being in Heroclix? So I had to sit down. So if, if it's to win, then... How are you going to handle that situation when something bad happens? And you're going to have to be more analytical. You're going to have to be more uh, strategical. I kind of looked at that, and I had to sit down. And I said, okay, so what is my icky guy? When I'm going to sit down at the table, what is going to be my icky guy that's going to help me balance my life? It's going to remind me and keep me going. Now, I must say this podcast has kind of helped me. Y'all reaching out to me has helped me understand this. My going to my local venue. In the end, my icky guy in Heroclix is not winning. It is doing well, but doing well for myself isn't enough. It's about competing. I love to compete. I love to get out there and compete. But when I'm wrapped up in winning, when bad things happen, I don't react well. I don't. I never have. And I tell my basketball player, focus on being the best you can be at that moment, being the best for each other. And then the game will work itself out. You can't control everything. Sometimes you'll win. Sometimes you'll lose. But if you compete hard and you do your best, then that will be a redeeming quality. And you will learn from that. 
You won't give excuses. You won't blame. Because when we don't reach our goals, we end up having excuses. And I don't want excuses. I want to go there, have a great time, and let everything flow out and be the best I can. Icky guy. So my icky guy isn't about winning. I do love competing. I wouldn't say that's my icky. My icky guy is meeting other people to interact. Mark has reawakened it. The people at the venues. Eric has even reawakened it. I love meeting the people that love playing the game that I love playing. I love playing that game because of the interaction with the other person. I don't, It's better than video games because I get to interact across. I get to hear multiple viewpoints. I get to see multiple uses of teams. I get to pick somebody's brain. I get to try to be inspiring to somebody else. So my ikigai when I'm going to sit down at Origin is going to be meeting the other player, enjoying the game, and enjoying what happens and responding appropriately to that. Something bad happens as part of the game. I will take it in stride and just adjust. I make a bad die roll, that's going to happen. The, what the team I'm bringing is going to be a strike hard or get wiped out team. So I've got to take that attitude. Now, and I'm going to have a good time. And I'm going to have great. I want to keep that balance because in the end, if I don't make worlds, there's plenty more that's going to go on. This weekend will not be made or broken by how I do on Wednesday and Thursday. It will be made or broken about the entirety of the entire trip. So I'm just throwing it out there, just my personal revelation. I know this isn't like, wow, thanks. Thanks, Jay. This is really going to help my Heroclix game. I don't understand. I've listened in to you to kind of understand what's going on in the game. And, and, and I guess what I'm telling you is that I am coming to the realization that there's parts of the high tournament piece that you're going to have to come and understand in order to be able to deal with it. People can bring great teams, but if you get caught in that pressure moment and you make mistakes, it's those mistakes that do you in. So live in that moment. So I'm learning to focus on my ikigai, which is the meeting of people and reaching out and not to be so just closed in that is going to help me be my best at that next level. You know, that being said, I... Say everybody's got to answer that question. What is your ikigai? Why do you get up and play HeroClix? Why do you spend that much money on a case or for singles? Why are you doing it? And keep your focus that way. That was my focus, Danielson. All right, so now, uh, review. And I don't know where we're at currently on time. And I'll try to keep this as short as possible. And that's kind of hard for me. But... I wanted to look at what I call the crane kick. The crane kick of hero clicks. As Mr. Miyagi says, if done right, there's no defense. And the thing that's coming around in hero clicks that's starting to become more and more prevalent is the pick a power. Yes, pick a power is your crane kick. When in doubt, get your crane kick ready with your pick a power. Now we've started seeing more and more uh, figures with pick a power. You know, in the beginning, it was like Trinity War Batman, Metallo, we've got the hat, and now it's grown to Jakeem and into Iron Man and Claw, and we know coming up is Goblin King, and everybody's complaining about Goblin King. He's the next step up on Jakeem. And these pickup powers, how are we going to handle this crane kick? And really... When I look at the pickup power mechanic and reviewing the pickup power mechanic, you got to understand how it's operating from the figures. If you look at Metallo and you look at Hat, they have some interesting limitations in the fact. Oh, and I keep forgetting. Besides Metallo, there's also Element Man. Those are traded. Okay, but they have very strict limitation. Hat can only choose an attack power. Metallo can only choose an attack power, but he has the ability, if he doesn't choose a power, then he can plus one all his stats, which is kind of neat. An element man can pick an attack power for a free action, or for a power action, he could pick a defensive power. So understand that those traded abilities are limited, kind of limits the options that the other player has, and it allows you to kind of understand how that piece could be used and be able to adjust accordingly. Then we get to Trinity War Batman, who had a lot more options. I think he'd choose any damage power or attack power, but his was based not on a trait, but on an actual 
white power. So you could, in potential, outwit that. As in, as in response to his pick of power, you could start an outwit chain. Now, same thing happens with, with Iron Man. His isn't traded. It is uh, on two clicks, maybe three, and I'd have to look it up. Let me see. His is on, I know his first two clicks. He's Well, I'm sorry, four clicks. He's on four clicks as a pick of power. So you could use outwit on him too because he doesn't have stealth, and he has some very severe limitations on his. He can't pick a current power showing. So if he picks, he can't choose possess standard speed attack or damage powers. So that prevents him from getting a running shot pulse wave. That becomes his little issue. So you have to run those limitations. And as a player, you have to know what his limitations are because the other guy's not going to tell you. So looking at that, handling that, how do you handle that? When you see the guy across the map from you getting to that crane kick position, how are you going to attack that? There's no defense for it. Really not. You're going to have to be offensive. You're going to have to be able to take that piece apart. Now, uh, looking at... So Jakeem, Jakeem, once again, is probably your ultimate meta piece as a pick of power. Now, Iron Man's 165 points. He's not as long a dial as Jakeem. Jakeem is probably a broken piece, and he's a prime. And he's going to represent, you know, he's got dual target, eight range. He's got eight clicks. He's got four damage on his first three. He's got three damage on his next three and two on his last two. He starts with two clicks of 18 defense and then four clicks of 17 and ends on two clicks of 18 on those clicks of defense he starts with uh, energy shield and four uh, toughness and then the next two are going to be regen his first two he's going to have an 11 attack and then he does straight tens until his last two which are nines he has a move nothing's on his attack power his first five clicks has prob on his damage power. He has sidestep on his first two clicks. He is a flyer. He has ten movement on both of those on his first three clicks. He's got nine movement on his next three, and he's got eight on his last two. Now he has two. His first two clicks are sidestep. Next four are phasing, and his last two are stealth. So everybody's looking at that, going, "Okay, what's so great about him? We can pick two standard powers." Now he does have a limitation. Only one of those powers can be a defensive power, hypersonic speed, outwit, perplex, or pulse wave. Now, depending on how many action tokens he has, depending on what kind of possessor he has on him, it will determine what he's choosing. He chooses hypersonic as a player, you automatically know. His defensive power is what's on his dial. Ultimate time to strike. If he chooses pulse wave, he's probably going to choose running shot with it, but once again, he doesn't have a defensive power. With John, with Jakeem Thunder, you have some limitations that can help you as a player kind of understand how he's going to be playing. And that's why I say you need to play Jakeem because once you understand his limitations, you understand the limited choices he can have in certain situations. Now, those are the pick of powers we know. Uh, I heard a guy at my venue, and it's Kevin, and I agree with him. He was getting tired of playing pick of powers. I had two guys with pick of power. He also played right before me a Jakeem and Johnny Thunder team as Matt's team that he that borrowed the uh, Johnny Thunder piece off of me. And I can understand. He was tired of it. People at, at venues are tired of the pick of power. He even told me he didn't know if he was going to play at Gen Con, the uh, competitive constructed events, because he was so tired playing against Jakeem. Everybody's getting tired of Jakeem. Everybody's getting tired of it. Now, to add insult to injury, what have they done? They have brought us Goblin King, which might be the ultimate reflection of the pick of power meta. And if we bring up Goblin King, let's bring him up. Okay, he's got three dial point, point dials. Three of them. You can start him at full power, which is 10 clicks long. You can start him at 225 points. You can start him at what would be medium power to 175, and he's seven clicks long. Or you can start him at his low power setting, which is only four clicks long, but only 75 points. Now, I'm just going to discuss the one I think is going to hit the meta the hardest, and probably going to see a lot of play in casual time, uh, probably around the 400 point, I mean, the 300 point range. I personally believe somebody might go out there and break a way to run goblin king as a one-man army 
but there's so many ways you can attack a one-man army. But I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. Him at 275, not putting another piece on there. I mean, I want to go through the thought process of, sometimes when I look at a piece like that at 275 points, I think, okay, so if I put 25-point TK right there, or I put a 25-point Possessor, or I put a 25-point Teleporter on there, can he survive the entire match and take out more points because that's the, really the key. If I think he can survive the entire match, if I think with his pick of powers, his, he can survive the entire match, that it would take most teams almost, it'd be almost impossible for them to kill him in that time. Can I kill more points than they have the potential to take from me? Because if I can, if I have that ability, because let's just imagine Jakeen, uh, Goblin King running a teleporter and being able to call in Nick Fury, call in a KC Superman, or calling in a KC Wonder Woman and being able to bring those in and for five points be able to one-shot some figures. Now, now remember, KC Superman does six damage. Six. It's his base. So be able to call him and do six damage to some of these figures that just get wiped out. And then him be able to go away. I mean, he could potentially win all his matches just because he's killing more. So that's always a thought on a one-man army now do i think he's going to run as one-man army no because he's so efficient at 175 it's kind of crazy now 175 if we look at him and we compare him to the current king of the meta jakeem and i'm gonna i'm gonna look at it from a meta perspective i'm gonna look at it from a casual perspective but the current meta of jakeem is if you compare him he's one less quick than jakeem one less quick he doesn't move as well as Jakeem. His movement power isn't as good in the fact that he doesn't have as much. He's like one click less. Like he's got, uh, in his seven clicks, he's only got two clicks of nine and five clicks of eight movement. He doesn't even start with sidestep. He, he would start with phasing, and then his next to her sidestep, next to her phasing, then he doesn't have anything on the last two. Attack value. Uh, if we look at him compared to Jakeem, it is just a little interesting. Let me pull up Jakeem, and I'll look at him side by side. And I'm just trying to give you an overall perspective of how we can compare these two. Okay, so if we look at Jakeem, he's got eight. Goblin King has seven. So right away, Goblin King is going to be one click less. He also has one less range, and his movement power isn't as good. Attack value, he's got 11, followed by a bunch of 10s and 9s. Once again, Jakeem wins that battle. Jakeem starts at 11, and then 5 10s and only 2 9s. Um, Jakeem is also 35 points less. So what would make anybody consider Goblin King over Jakeem Thunder? Well, it could be this little team ability he's got, which is Power Cosmic. His damage potential is a little bit higher. He also starts with his own. He starts impervious on his first two clicks, invulnerable on his next three, and toughness on his last two. And he does four 18s instead of two, and then three 17s. He also has perplex on his last two clicks. He does prop for three instead of four, but he also has four damage a lot longer than Jakeem does. So if we look at it, yeah, it's a couple things going for him that Jakeem has to kind of work around. And your workaround be, well, what about his defensive power? Well, Jakeem can work around it by putting Brainiac on him. So, so all of a sudden, now Jakeem is now worth 165. Well, then you say, well, but you can't outwit his, his power. Right. In the current rules, you won't be able to outwit his powers. In the next rules, you will be. But let's go with current rules. Okay, so there. Kind of even. Now I'm looking at 10-point difference. Yeah, but to get Jakeem willpower, we're going to have to add who? Supreme Intelligence. Now he's two points more. However, you say, okay, but I can pick some extra powers I don't have to pick before. Correct. You do. The Goblin King can only pick the same amount of powers you do. But he has zero restrictions on the powers he chooses. Jakeem has restrictions. This one doesn't. And he when they last until he chooses again. So he can run some shenanigans where he chooses a power uses it for one turn, uses it for the next turn, and then at the end of the next turn, changes the power over. So he does a hypersonic attack, super strength hits you. Second turn, does hypersonic attack, super strength hits you, and then flips over to combat reflexes com and, um, and energy shield deflection. Boom, all of a sudden he's at 20 defense. And somebody's going to try to break him. 
His keywords are ruler, monster, and dark Avengers. So he doesn't run well with Jakeem on a theme team. But, I mean, I'm already thinking of teams I might throw out there uh, with him, trying to kind of beef him up and kind of run with him. But if you kind of look at that, that's the pick of power conundrum right now. How do you handle pieces like this, especially a Goblin King, who has got a power cosmic that you're going to have trouble outwitting, and how can you deal with it? Now, thinking about that, I've been looking at it, and the best way to understand is understand where their powers derive from. Goblin King, Jakeem gets theirs from traits. Claw gets his from a trait, but it's limited to his attack power. Iron Man gets his from a special power. So it's either knocking them past that special power or outwitting that special power. How do you handle Gobble King? The best way in which I'm looking at handling them. Number one, in cap. Tokens hurt Jakeem and Goblin King. It limits their, their amount of actions. The best token artist out there is Mixie. 70 point Mixie. His ability to put two tokens on you, pulse wave, and do it three turns in a row can cripple a team. Now, how do you get Mixie up there so you can get Goblin King? What team do you build around Mixie? I don't know. I always, I have I have a crutch with Mixie. If I put Mixie on a team, I put Frogman because Frogman can carry him. Frogman can activate him very quickly and it gives Mixie a chance to make a big difference very early. But once Mixie locks you down, it is hard to deal with. But Mixie has a low attack power, 10, and that's going to be his problem. But looking at in cabbers, I mean, where is Iceman? Where's Iceman? Iceman used to be a great lockdown, you know, Icebox. I'm sure somebody's out there trying to break Iceman so he can bring that. So expect some in cap. That helps us deal with Jakeem. Also understand another way to deal with them, just like Adam Friedman said, in the end, if you don't like the rules of Heroclix, Pulse Wave. It is time to start looking at running shot pulse wavers now it doesn't sound great but one way to counteract a meta is start bringing some stuff that can just hammer a jakeem and it will auto correct itself now pulse waves are great things that it hammers everything it doesn't care makes the same way in cap works now I, I expect to see in cap and the pulse wave to come back start to get a little bit more popular that's what i'd be looking at with these and finally, what else can you do to attack these groups or to kind of handle them? Final thing will be resources. I mean, I know it sounds kind of silly, but resources can limit their options. The symbiote limits their ability to do a hypersonic. A symbiote stealth combo uh, limits them being able to actually attack a figure unless they... I don't even know how they would. They would have to choose like a charge. So all of a sudden you've limited the range of Jakeem. You've limited the range of, of Goblin King. And you've taken a power off the board. The Pym Pocket Tank gives you two more damage. Every piece of damage you can do Jakeem, every piece of damage you can do Goblin King, gets them closer to their end dial where you can really handle them. Uh, they'll always have that steel energy possibility out there so when you attack them you have got to hurt them very hard in the turn in which you hurt them you can't do one damage because what's jakeem gonna do i'm gonna tell you he's gonna choose or goblin king they're gonna choose steel energy they're gonna hit you back and they're gonna get their click back plus damage you that gives you an eight for eight points you can add two penetrating damage it forces goblin king it forces jakeem to take invincible because they're going to worry about that penetrating damage because if they choose impervious that's not going to help them on the horizon, we have the new outwit, where you can outwit powers like uh, Jakeem, you can't use hypersonic. I know it's not on your dial, but you can't use it. Or that possessor has impervious, you can't use it. You can't use that precision strike. Now, what that's going to do is you can have some outwit heavy teams. So how are you going to handle it? you got to have a plan for it. Uh, I'm really thinking Pulse Wave, uh, NCAP, and you know the new resources are your best way to prepare for a Jakeem team if you don't want to play Jakeem. And I'm a Jakeem hater just because I never did pull a Jakeem. I'm sure if I had pulled a Jakeem, I'd be like, oh yeah, Jakeem. But you know, it's all about what you got in your collection and you got to hate on something. So I guess I'm hating on the crane kick, the pick a power team right now. But casually, what what's casually, the problem is that with these pickup powers, it can leave a bad taste. So if you're going to bring a pickup power figure, just know, just know you can't bring it every week to a, to a local venue. It gets kind of, it just gets kind of uh, just annoying. 
and it doesn't promote the variety of builds you need at a local venue. So casually pick a power is not great for the game. Unless you're just an Iron Man person, you bring that Iron Man because it's the new and latest Iron Man and you build a team around it. Yeah, that's awesome. But bringing Jakeem every week to a casual event is just going to get you hated on. I mean, that's, that's where it is. Pick a power in a casual event is not really the best. Um, the new Goblin King in a casual event, he's going to be hard to deal with. But, you know, you're going to have some jinky stuff. So casually... The pick a power is great for the metagame. Casually, the pick a power without some kind of silver bullet or some kind of uh, way to neuter it is very, very bad for your casual game and your casual gamers because they hate seeing the same piece over and over. I do too. I like to see different pieces. And if Jakeem's always showing up every week to win tournaments or Goblin King's showing up to win, win tournaments, you're going to discourage your, your uh, fan base. So casually, how can you handle a pick a power well number one you don't worry about it until you start seeing it show up at your local venue and if it's starting to show up a lot then that's when you take the countermeasures to kind of put it in its in its place and then just kind of let it just even itself out because in a local venue players understand that if somebody's always bringing jakeem if you can figure out a way to beat it after a couple weeks that will stop they'll move on so that's the way it kind of looks casually now, finally, let's go over the challenge for last week on what are we going to build. What I was going to build from the last episode, I was going to build a Magneto team, and I did. And let me go over the Magneto team. Uh, I did a theme team. It's X-Men. It's plus four to map roll and gives three theme team probability control. Uh, it is four figures. Uh, first one is UXM040 Magneto at 90 points. That's the white one with the way to give energy shield with his marker uxm055 scarlet witch with the hex marker she's at 75 points uxm054 quicksilver 75 points with the other marker which is his whirlwind marker and then you have wkm17005 polaris at 50 points now this is the magneto family with polaris being a daughter of magneto now the whole thought about this is for magneto and scarlet witch to give their uh, markers to Quicksilver. Polaris, did he came out and let him just go wreak some damage and let Scarlet Witch and Magneto just kind of snipe using each other's enhancement to increase their damage potential and ever so often Polaris. Quicksilver is going to be the main attacker in this. Um, it's more of a fun, casual game and I'm putting all my eggs in the basket on Quicksilver and let's hope he rides well. I mean, the resource I'm going to add to is a symbiote. He's at six points, and I'll probably give him Quicksilver too to prevent any hypersonic shenanigans against him. And with the energy shield deflection, his 18 starting defense super senses, he'll be hard to hit. And with his hex marker being able to do 10s and 11s as critical hits, maybe I can get some extra damage on him. One problem with this team is damage potential from Quicksilver. But if I can run him back and let Magneto and Scarlet Witch play as snipers, then it, it could be fun. It'd be an interesting team. It's kind of, kind of, I won't say comic accurate, but it is a comic base kind of theme. And it'd be a great casual team to play. Is it overpowered? No. Is there a lot of flaws to it? Very much, but it's kind of fun little build. I think it'd be fun to run at your local venue. Uh, totals 296 points. I have no idea what I'm gonna put four more points on. If you can think of one, or you can maybe tweak it a little bit better for your use. Next week, I'm going to do UXM051 Iceman. Yes, Iceman. I want to find out. Not We're not looking for Val Kilmer off the of Top Gun. No, we're looking for the true Iceman, Bobby Drake. Yes, the lockdown icebox method. Can we bring him into the meta again? Now, looking at keeping it fresh, what scenario am I going to do? And you know what? Inspired by the great... Um, karate Kid. I'm going to do an all-valley tournament scenario. Yes, 300-point team. Everybody on your team has to be martial artist keywords. You have to have four figures and four figures only. Now, you can have resources added to them, do all that, but only four figures. It's a round-robin tournament played only in rows 8 through 17 in columns D through M on any map. So you can bring any map you want, but those rows and columns are the only thing that's going to be legal for this game. Now, you can you start... One team will start on the first two rows, 
just like a starting area, you just kind of same starting area, kind of looking like. Any rows outside of those are considered out of bounds, and figures receive one penetrating damage and, and are placed in their last single square they were in on the map. So you will, if you get knocked into the illegal squares on the map, then you will take some penetrating damage and then be placed back in. Uh, each round, you only play one figure. And after that round, that figure can't be played again. So you're going mano a mano, just like the All-Valley Tournament. Johnny versus Daniel. Okay, so you go mano a mano. Uh, after that round, your figure is considered out for the rest of the tournament. And it should be a three-round tournament. And in the fourth round, you use your fourth figure. So you're going to have to decide which figure you're going to save. Well, how do you determine a winner? The figure who receives the least amount of damage or KOs the other character is the winner of the match. So if you take the least amount of damage, you win, or if you happen to KO the other figure, you win. Now, that I thought sounds like a cool scenario. I might try and talk my venue into playing. I think it'd be really cool. I think it'd be fun. And I don't think it'd take that long either, uh, especially with a smaller map. Now, here's my parting shots. Email your comments and questions to lostinclicks at gmail.com or contact me on AC Realms under the ID of Colossus TM. Like our Facebook page. You can search on Facebook by typing in at Heroclix Borderlands. Hold on a second. I almost forgot. Malcolm Rush did send me a question. Let me pull it up. Here's Malcolm's questions, and thanks for the questions, Malcolm. What is your go-to Heroclix Heroclix piece all time and modern and why okay so I'm going to kind of limit it since I've gotten back into it uh, my go to piece way back in the day was a Batman I always had a Batman on my team but if we're going to look at it now uh, since I started which was Guardians of the Galaxy Galactic Guardians I believe what is it Guardians yeah Galactic Guardians it have to be the prime uh, Captain Marvel Love that guy. Eight, the defend, the ability to give you an action token, psychic blast, plus one to defense if you're not a Kree. Awesome. Why? He was so versatile. He was a soldier. He really wasn't that many points. Always loved playing him. Had a decent range. Wanted to work every team around him. Currently in modern, what piece am I using? What's my current go-to piece? I, you know what? And I'm going to say my go-to piece right now. And it's because I know how to use it and I've used it before. My go-to piece is actually, it's going to be the Justice League Teleporter. I always find myself, if I have 35 points, I want to put the Justice League Teleporter on there. I'll look at it, I go, okay, can I use these ID cards? I have to talk myself out, to, out of it. So go-to piece, I almost automatically, since I know how to use it, is that Justice League Teleporter. I'll even try to make teams around it. That's my go-to piece because I think it brings a lot of versatility. It can make another figure really good. It gives you some call-in options. And if you can work it right, you can call in a a figure an extra figure kind of like the quinjet is you can get enough damage on your figures to pop out that new guy so that's kind of why i've gone with that as my go-to piece now what piece do you hate to play but it seems like it's always on your team and why okay right now there's two pieces that seem to find their way on any team and they're all about transportation they are overdrive so if i have overdrive on a vehicle then he's my main transportation piece or my barrier piece of Green Lantern, the super rare. I have three of them. I went out and got three of them. I, I actually pulled two of them. I bought another one. It is the ability to barrier for free, their ability to move 10, flyers, indomitable, and decent damage in seven range. You know, they, and their ability to put that light marker under somebody and get rid of stealth. That, they're awesome. So it's, they're so effective. And overdrive at 35 points, also the ability to create that charged up vehicle to be able to move your entire team, they become these transportation pieces, these pieces I have to have on every team. And it's because of their efficiency, because you always have 35 points out. And you're like, oh, what can I do? So in the modern era, what I'm finding is that you don't have a lot of low point options. They're starting to get more out there. And I'm trying to gravitate. I end up gravitating towards those now why do i hate playing overdrive why do i hate playing green lantern because i just get tired of playing the same thing over and over again there's no variety to it and 
But, I mean, I can't get anything more efficient. If I could find something more efficient, I would. Hey, that's it. Thank you, Malcolm, for the questions. Anybody else wants to give us questions, please email them in. Please rate and review the podcast under iTunes. Love to hear your New World's team's ideas. And if you're looking for an online match or if you have a team that you want to play against my current team, please contact me. Love to hear from other viewers going to Origins. Love to meet up with you at Origins. Hope to see you all there. Thanks, everybody, that comments and calls in. Uh, Remember... Keep rolling double sixes because you know what? You never miss with double sixes.